0: Welcome back, everybody. This is our second attempt at the Church of the Harvest Family Ministries podcast, and so I hope this finds you well within a very busy season. As always, I am uh, joined by the amazing, life-changing Cynthia Lewis, our children's director here at Church of the Harvest, and I also have an additional individual with us today, our youth director, Mr. Jared Crowley. Hello, what's going on? Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, it is um, Easter, and there's a lot of different things that are moving. The spring has sprung, and the weather is getting warmer, and people are out walking, and things are happening. I was kind of thinking um, this morning a little bit about this podcast, and I I wanted to introduce maybe uh, some of you to this quote that I think is really important and pertinent, and it goes like this. It says, the history of humankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and our spiritual history will positively demonstrate That no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. That's an A.W. Tozer quote from uh, Knowledge of the Holy. And um, I think it's a really interesting quote because it kind of unveils this principle of how influence works in our lives and the matter of importance that we give to certain things within our society. And... Um, As I think about society as a whole, uh, I'm confronted by news of this past week where uh, a person went into a Christian uh, grade school and opened fire, um, shooting and killing six people and then was shot and killed themselves. And I think and I know that we're in a society that is ripe for great change in the right direction. And I'm gonna clue everybody in, that direction isn't political ideology, that uh, correction is, or direction isn't um, simply a technique within parenting, um, it, it's a giving over of ourselves to our greatest good, um, and, and that's God. And so there's this deep desire for god in our culture but i feel like there's this uh, a bit of floundering and how do we do that you know it's like we we desire god and and we know that that's the correct desire but then how do we go about that and so i kind of want to talk a little bit about that today because you know as a family ministries pastor i think you know i think about society as a macroscopic reality and then i think a little bit tighter into um our general culture within maybe the Midwest and then a little bit further in and maybe the state of Kansas and a little bit further in and Olathe and a little bit further in and our church and then a little bit further in and y- our families, uh, you guys and parents and children and the, all the amazing complexities that happen within that and all of the beautiful opportunities that exist within even just the day-to-day um, and, the, and just who you are as individuals and people. And we, we want to, not just come alongside you in a podcast format or even just on a Sunday morning, but we, we want to come alongside you with practical resources um, via our parent engagement classes. Um, we're going to be starting another one of those. We just got done with Dump the Drama with Dana Heston. Um, she covered a six-week course for us. It was brilliant, and she is amazing. We're going to be uh, in – you'll be hearing a little bit more about this uh, middle of April. Uh, throughout May, uh, I'll actually be teaching a, uh, a six-week course on um, – Parenting like God. And so we're going to be looking at building a biblical framework for parenting. And then how do we uh, juxtapose that or synthesize that with our, you know, on the ground reality. So we'll be talking a lot about grace and talking about, you know, how do we do mercy well? And how do we do uh, boundaries versus limitations? All these different concepts and we'll be kind of diving into. But all of it is for the purpose of just coming alongside you guys as parents. And number one, making sure that the gospel is clear in your life. You know, that you know that the declaration of of God over Jesus, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. That's the declaration over your life in Christ. You're not working for God's pleasure. You're working from God's pleasure. And I think it's super important, especially as we examine maybe our parenting, we put something under a microscope and we're like, God's not happy. (laughs) You know, there's no way God's happy with that. If I was God, I wouldn't be pleased. And it's like, no, 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 we're not God and his ways are higher than our ways. And He's pleased with us in Christ, and then we get to work from that. So making sure that that's clear, number one, and then you know what happens as that overflows through our lives in our marriages, in our families, right? A little bit of a way that you can think about that is, is go and make disciples, right? Baptizing the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, right? Going into Jerusalem, Judea, and the surrounding areas. It's like okay, Jerusalem's the mirror right does the mirror know the gospel is that lived out with how i respond and reflect myself and how god thinks about me in relationship to uh, all the things that jesus has provided for me and then judea would be my family maybe my marriage maybe more specifically and then you know to the ends of the earth maybe that's my relationship with my kids right do they know that god sees them that way because i see them that way and doing that deep work and so um throughout all those, those pieces, it kind of begins to reverse engineer itself. And the one thing that I think is the most tricky, especially in a culture like ours, which is Johnson County, which is the spring, which is sports, which is, you know, all of these school activities and all of the calendar getting filled up is busyness. And we have in a lot of respects, we have an unbent knee to the idol of busyness but yet it still directs so much of our days and prioritization becomes kind of difficult. And then things that aren't as ultimately important drive the practical day-to-day function and it begins to impede on maybe what is a more ultimate Necessity in human development. And I'll just make one contrast and then we'll kind of get into frequency and the importance of frequency with both children and youth. Um, But let's just make the easy one sports. Okay, sports is an easy uh, time suck and you don't get to make the schedule. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, coaches on a Saturday will put out a schedule for a game early Sunday morning and you got to make a hard call. Um, does something get to impede on your Sunday morning? Does does that get to, is that allowed? And so oftentimes it's like, well, yeah, it's allowed because if my kid isn't at the game, then he loses his spot or she loses her spot. And that impacts who, where they're living as, as people. And it's like, I totally understand that. But at the same time, it's like those standards have to be set to what's most important. And the... The, the data is clear. The amount of D1 athletes that have committed suicide over the last year shows us that competitive sports is not the best platform to develop an adolescent identity because it automatically imposes the necessity of comparison. Competitive sports is synonymous with comparison, and we know that one of the greatest... Um, One of the greatest distractions to calling and purpose is comparison and comparison is the thief of joy. Like we know all these tropes, we know all these things, but yet we're like, okay, competitive sports over church. And it's like, maybe we need to rethink that. So I want to talk to us today and especially in this season about how important is the frequency of your family at church or your kids specifically. And so Cynthia, I know you know a lot about how this affects our little bitty ones that are in the nursery all the way up to our elementary age kiddos. And so what are some insights and maybe some helpful tips for families that might find themselves in a position where they've got to kind of compromise one way or the other?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I I do want to speak and just share a little insight into our home about what Pastor Royce was just talking about. We decided long before kiddos what our boundaries would be on a Sunday morning, not really fully understanding what was going to come at us in terms of the requests for commitment at competitive levels, which almost all of our kids have played, actually all of them have of an old enough age, have played competitively, and and just
0: for insight for everyone, because not everybody knows how many kids you have. How many kids are we talking about here that you you, you and Adrian have?
1: We have six children. Yeah, that's
0: six kids, guys. Like we're not talking about a two-kid schedule like me. You're going to I know you think about me and you're like, "Yeah, Pastor Royce with his two kids, ba boo." Yeah, Cynthia has six like the rest of you guys who took the <laughs> True. took the call to True. take dominion and multiply very seriously. Yes. So just so you guys know.
1: Yeah, so we decided that it would be important to make those decisions before the the urgency of the call to do those things came and so we set that boundary that Sunday mornings would be protected and provided and we would graciously say our children won't participate on Sunday mornings and really it's been I feel as God has honored and blessed that in so many ways. But we recently had a situation where we signed our little our youngest up for spring flag football, which you know the Chiefs have won, so every kid's excited about football right now, right? But he, he played in the fall and wanted to play again. And we get the schedule and all six games, every one of those games was on Sunday morning during church. And so we had to go to him and talk to him about that, explain why, and I'm so grateful that we, it, it was hard, my heart hurt for him wanting to play and yet us talking to him about the whys, and and then him graciously just going along with us and I just know that God is going to honor that but I I, I empathize with the struggle for what if my kids left out what if this what if that I I believe our our daddy uh, our ultimate daddy is is watching carefully over all of that and and as we seek him we'll give, us and our children, the desires of our hearts, as we align with Him, as He promises in His Word. So, moving on to why that that importance of the frequency, I um, get to walk alongside families within that birth to third grade piece of our ministry. I absolutely love, uh, really, all of them, all age groups. But, but that's just a, a fun. Those are fun ages of the just the wonder and awe in who God is and they're really soaking up these truths. And as you know, and COVID probably did the worst thing for this age group of kids is that their need to attach to caregivers is is critical in those early ages. And so what we're tending to see with, with a lack of frequency in that zero to I'll say five range is that I don't know this person you're wanting to leave me in this room because they're maybe here twice a month. Some are weekly, but they're here twice a month. And I don't want you to leave me because I don't feel secure here. And yet what I see over time is as that frequency builds, that child begins to be attached and is valued and seen and heard which are are the high priority for us in our in our ministry and that crying that don't leave me starts to diminish over time yep. so i really want to encourage you um, to keep the frequency of your your visits to to church or coming to church or being a part of church Um, as frequent as possible, and also the time that you come uh, being the same so that your children can get to know those leaders. And really, we see ourselves as partners with you in that spiritual formation. And so, again, that frequency piece of knowing what we're talking about week, week in and week out and being able to reinforce those truths throughout the week is just another way that they feel like we're in step with you. You you know what we're talking about. You're talking about it with them during the week. And you're communicating your trust and faith and confidence in the leaders that you're dropping them off with week in and week out.
0: Yeah. And I want to just kind of attach something onto that because I've, I've talked to a lot of parents that just were super unaware of this. They don't, I mean, this isn't like something that they teach very commonly, but um, a child's subconscious is set entirely by the time they're four years old. And your subconscious is responsible for 95% of the decisions that you make. And so to the point that Cynthia was making of going through the process of the uncomfortable space of that kid, being with a safe caregiver that isn't just babysitting them, but we pray over your children in the nursery. We Uh, interact with them in extremely important ways, it not only sets the tone for them to be more resilient whenever they start to hit uh, more, more socialization complications, which usually happens around middle school. And I'll explain why that is in a minute, but it um, it empowers them subconsciously to appropriately respond as they get older. And so one of the things that is very clear, like data is very, very clear on this, that typically speaking, kids who suffer the most with social anxieties as they enter into middle school. And the reason entering into middle school is important is because it's really the first time that they're cognitively aware of a social change and they're contemplating an overwhelming abundance of strangers. Because if you think about elementary school, when they were kindergartners, unless that kid's changed schools a few times, and the is clear with those kiddos too, they're pretty resilient, but there's other issues. But, but they've been with the same group of people, they know those people, and so it really kind of peaks at sixth grade when there's new people that are introduced, and a lot of times that can be overwhelming, but what they found is kids who were left to cry a little bit longer, kids who were introduced to safe caregivers that weren't their parents through that zero to four age range were much more resilient in those interactions and and those opportunities that they came into in middle school. So it's really important that we have spaces that you guys have spaces that, you know, that are safe for your kiddos to come into and that that can happen at a frequent pace because it not only again is more of a conscious thing of just socialization specifically, but it's also more specific to how they develop to think about the church and the community that is the church and the kids that they grow up with and how all that kind of intersects one another to create a really a commitment to community that brings in a commitment to their calling.
1: Yes. And I will say to add, in addition to that, as you hit those elementary ages, preschool, a little older preschool into those elementary ages, the ability really at all ages, but specifically then when they're the expressions of themselves in new situations or if they're not in them very often, particularly those kids with leadership traits that mm-hmm. are unregenerated at this point, um, are the ability for the leadership in that in those settings to build connection leads to their ability to influence and, and really draw out of that child their potential. And without that connection, that, that child doesn't receive that. So if you think of it as equity to be able to influence what I get to put in on a Sunday morning as a leader, which is why they're there, they want to pour in and connect mm-hmm. with your child. They have a deep desire to, to be a part of the spiritual formation of this next generation But the way that it can be done most effectively is through their equity that they're building with that child week in and week out. And so that's that's another reason for that importance of that frequency.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've always been really clear about, and I want to say this because I don't want you to get the wrong idea, that you should just force your kids to go to church. That is not the idea here. Um, One of the things that we have always done as a family, me and my wife, was we told our two daughters and we told them i'm never going to make you go to church but if you don't want to go to church we're going to have a conversation as to why and i've never had a weekend where my kids weren't looking forward to church sometimes more than i was and that being said we're here both services you know over a decade My family has been at Church of the Harvest for all the services, (laughs) you know, so multiple services a week um, or on Sunday more specifically. And what that turned into was, um, you know, and we're having an issue right now with my youngest because she's in fourth grade and she's chomping at the bits to serve. Like she wants to serve with preschool and we're as a as an organization, we're not really comfortable with fourth and fifth graders serving Uh, Younger students at that point we really reserved that for our middle schoolers and up but that just kind of goes to show You know, my oldest started serving in the nursery when she started middle school So she's 11 12 years old and we have stipulations around what they're able to do in that space They can't pick up the babies and things like that But she was able to be around those kids and you know that because if you have a four or five year old uh, right now they know Chloe And they know Chloe because they were there. If they were in the nursery with her, then they have some bit of a bond with her through that. And she's a safe person for them. And so we, you know, that came from not just you, you, we're going to have a conversation if you don't want to go to church, but they want to go to church and they want to stay at church. And they want to not just consume at church, but they also want to be a part of serving at church. And as parents, the way that we navigated that was, we want you to be involved with that which is aligned to, to your purpose. So it wasn't, okay, Chloe, just go with be, be with babies because we need, have need for someone to be with babies. It was, where do you feel your heart drawing you to? And where do you feel the Lord's calling you to? And that's what created that. But I find it kind of interesting because sometimes we'll have people who join the family ministries team and we're like, and they're like, well, my kids are going to be here both services. And I have to tell them, like, Yeah, in my experience, as long as this is handled correctly, that goes beautifully in creating a connectivity and really a deep community. Um, And we do, we have, a a, you know, there's a significant depth of community within our team kids, essentially, um, that get to kind of serve here. And so the the frequency seems to, and by my experience and also by my observation, um, it creates a, as long as it's preceded with that, I'm not going to make you. This isn't a forceful thing. This is a conversation that we're gonna have. And we might not land it, you want to go to church. It might just but we might find out some things that can help us get there. And then that creates a, an amazing sense of purpose within those kiddos. But speaking of all that, I think this is somewhat ironic because here with us today, we have the fruit and the product of a couple of decades of what we're talking about and all of the frequencies from being a little kid that came every week and played with Spider Man toys that he snuck in to children's service to being a rebellious teenager that almost put me to death a few I was gonna times. Say, I don't know if
2: consistency and frequency are the best ways to describe <laughs> well, my, it's fun my because tenure at Church of the Harvest. It, it, it
0: gives us it gives <laughs> us the full perspective. We have Jerry Crowley who's our Youth director, and he's oh, yeah. joining us today on the podcast. He'll be a frequented voice, and so I kind of want to talk to Jared about the the kids that are a little bit older. Um, and so before I do that, though, I, I want to speak to one specific area because um, as we look at the whole of, of family ministries, or really just dedication to graduation, nursery to the the you know essentially the diploma and going to college or going into young adulthood, um, there was some constants that were that were really important to understand as we did what we do with adolescent development. And that was for the longest period of time, probably about 2006 till roughly 2018. um, If you were going to really capture the heart of a student, that was going to happen in sixth to seventh grade. So that middle school time frame, that was really when kids made personal decisions for Jesus. It's really when they started to understand what it was like for them to follow Jesus and submit their life to God. And what we found is that, especially post-COVID, but this started a little bit before COVID, that because of information frequency, that age range has actually shifted down. And here at Church of the Harvest, we have the Harvest, we have the grace and the gift to be able to provide a preteen-specific environment, which means, as Cynthia pointed out, we have elementary stops at third grade, and then preteen starts at fourth grade, and it's fourth grade and fifth grade. And that's super important structurally because if you think about a kindergartner starting out in an environment with a group of people, um, by the time they get to fifth grade, if that's all consistent, they get bored quick. And by the time they're in fifth grade, they're checked out of church pretty much. I mean, that's brutal in a way. And so, but it's also hard because not a lot of churches have the opportunity with enough volunteers to be able to provide a preteen environment. And so because we have an amazing team of individuals, we're able to provide that preteen environment. And as the family ministry's pastor, that to me is the most important environment that we have at Church of the Harvest. So that's where we, we put our best people. That's where we push to uh, frequency and community, and we're just kind of on the front end of all of that stuff, but it is the most important time frame, and so we have a great group of individuals that are doing that, and we, we're we so grateful that we can provide that, number one, but also two, um, that they are the quality of individuals that they are, and so as we move up the rung, uh, we get into some middle school and some high school, different complications, different things you got different conversations that are happening they become way less compliant p- typically speaking that's not always but typically um, they become much more opinionated they may have their own perspectives and views and um, so we we want to make sure that we're able to speak to all the situations and I think Jared's situation is uh, unique because what was that like for you Jared like as a middle school kid and uh, and then as a high school kid
2: yeah so um... Around the conversation of frequency and consistency, I think, you know, you guys really hit, like, the the consi- the importance of, of showing up consistently and how kids end up relating to their leaders and how they end up relating to church and different things like that. Um, but for me, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but that, that middle school period for me, I was super consistent and, like, probably the most involved youth kid. Um, that was right around the time we had, let's see, I went through two youth group groups. Uh, pastor changes I think in like three years so it was like kind of a weird thing but I the one that ended up staying for a while I actually like got super close to in that season Um and was kind of just like you know open and ready for like that type of relationship in my life Um and then you know sort of going into high school <laughs> a lot of things you're saying about being opinionated and not being compliant and having your own ideas uh, definitely started to you know rear its ugly head around that time and so I wasn't Um, I was probably attending like once a month is basically just whenever I felt like it. Um, and, but it's so interesting now because I hit this point probably two, three years ago, um, where, you know, the pandemic, um, which is, it did, it did this for a lot of people. So this isn't necessarily a unique experience, but it really shook up like all my friendships and my relationships and really like showed me who was actually dedicated to doing life with me and who was just kind of there because I was there. Um, and then what relationships relied on, um, us seeing each other in person frequently or what relationships could exist, uh, you know, just keeping up with each other once a month or things like that. And so it really made me look at all the different friend groups that I had sort of like available to me and all the the different options, you know, so to speak. And, really the only one that made any sense were um the people that I was connected to uh in high school through church um and it's it's kind of interesting cuz that friend group um doesn't look exactly the way it looked in high school <laughs> there's some some dropouts and some some team changes and different things like that but uh but yeah it just like it was super weird to me at first but then makes a lot of sense now that um even as inconsistent as I was really the most important thing for me um, or what's ended up being the most important thing for me from that period of my life were the friendships that I was making. Um, and so when we're talking about consistency and frequency and showing up and stuff like that, it's not just for their opinion of church, right. Or their opinion of church leaders. It's also the community that they, they build that they might not even really see the fruit of until they're in their early twenties. Um, cause a lot of the people that I was the closest to when I was coming to youth group, um, we're not the the people that I'm the closest to now, you know, um, both in the church and out of the church. Because even the the relationships that I was building uh, at youth group, you know, those same people aren't the people that I'm, like, super close to. It was the people that, you know, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, how's, okay, cool. See you later. You know, and now they're, like, my, my best friends, uh, which is so weird because we didn't spend that much time together. But that amount of consistency was still – God was able to use it in such a fruitful way, right? Right.
0: Yeah, no, I think what, you know, reflecting on your experience, that really, the, the, the knitting of the formation of that community. And that's what's, that's what's so important, you know, especially, and pretty much everybody knows this, but maybe not everybody knows this, um, you know, as kids age into young adolescence, uh, into teenage years, um, their influencers change significantly. So they become, and this is correct, right? So this isn't inappropriate in any way, but they become, they, they tribalize around middle schools, So they're trying to fit in and find their people. And when that happens, peers become much more influential sometimes than parents. And so you, you kind of get this, beginnings of the formation of the individual that is the, the the person that they'll grow up to be. And during that middle school timeframe, especially, that's when that community is really knit together, mm-hmm. even if it's t- from their perspective in middle school, a peripheral thing, right? Because those relationships over that period of time, middle school to high school, and, and we, we have to remember, like, we're a church, we're not a school, mm-hmm and so the community aspect is different because of frequency number one but then number two there's a moment where that child becomes conscious in their personal commitment and it's usually the commitment to the community first it's not the commitment to the entertainment it's not the commitment to the content or the preaching it's usually the commitment to the community and then over time, that community, because this is kind of the funny thing, it's like if you had to name how many high school friends you kept around into your early 20s or mid 20s or even early 30s, it's very small. But that's not true of, of communities, with like church communities. You keep those communities, those communities last longer. And in my estimation, they're much more finalized because say you have a group of friends from band, like you, you were in band, you played drums, you're in drum corps. And those people were really close to you. That was something you were excited about and interested in. And then, when you got older, obviously that performance-based thing yeah. falls off, mm-hmm. and because that community is built around that performance-based thing, that community falls by the wayside too, because it's what was the glue. Yeah, for sure. So when God's the glue, yeah, right, that doesn't change. Yeah, right. And I've even seen people go through crises of faith, and stay committed to those communities in ways that were, like, really, really, really important for them. I have a friend who uh, has been struggling with significant mental health issues for uh, over a decade and just on the other side of it now, but the really thing, one of the things that kept them grounded was the community that we had Yeah. and and the consistency of a voice. They don't go to church with me, um, but, and, and there was a long period of time where they just didn't go to church at all had a lot of questions a lot of deep existential questions Mm -hmm. and it was like okay like they that commitment had moved all around but because we had community then we could come to these real strong conclusions that they're in a really solid place now so it can be massively life-changing and if we think that socially that we are not in a place of adolescent development and that important spiritual development importance being at the forefront of everything we do I don't think we're paying attention at all yeah
2: for sure because
0: it's not going to be on these competitive uh, comparative based things it's not going to be on academic things and it and look you guys like we're coming up on 2024 what happens in 2024 that's just shattering to our culture yeah. primary elections. And there, I don't care what you say, there is a line of people replacing religious or spiritual ideology with political ideology. And you're going to see it explode over the next 18 months. And it's like, okay, there's a massive importance of the spiritual development of our kids and of our students and of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding the clarity of the gospel that doesn't become less important as they become middle schoolers, it becomes more important as they become middle schoolers. It doesn't become less important as it become high schoolers. It becomes more important as it become high schoolers. And so, you know, I've always been a fan of you know, let's understand some things. You know, Church of the Harvest we're not a social club. Um, I don't do youth ministry as a a, a focus of entertainment. Um, I'm not going to stand in front of God and and, and be asked how did, how well did you entertain teenagers in Olathe, Kansas throughout the season of life that I gave you. Um, I'm going to hold. I'm going to be held accountable to how I discipled. And so. We, we we always we try to strike the balance between giving them engageable opportunities that allow them to develop relationships with each other and discipleship. So it's entertaining, but it's also we're about what we're about, and what we're about is discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side to that coin is too like I, we don't put a, we don't stress a lot of importance on production we stress a lot of importance on interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that production values, especially among teenagers, I'm talking about youth now, um, a lot of that, if you really boil it down, it's a lot of uh, used to be romanticized and emotional manipulation because teenagers are also hyper emotional. And um, that's a huge trap because what it does is it starts students off from the foot that faith is synonymous with feeling and faith is not a feeling. Faith isn't removed from feelings, So please don't hear me say that. But I'm not trying. I've seen too many young adults mature. God is maturing them in their faith. Yeah. And therefore, they feel it less. And that's a season of maturity. And people mistake that for God left. Yep. Because I synonymize God with a feeling. For sure. Yeah. And so we lean away from that. And which means that your student might be like, well, worship isn't you know, a Maverick City concert. And yeah, hey, parents love you guys. If you guys want to give me a Maverick City budget, I'll produce a Maverick City (laughs) concert, right, for them every single week. But that's what not isn't what's important. It's not the production isn't important. The interpersonal relationship is important. And so that's really what carries for the, that age group of kiddos. And so this is something that I'll just kind of leave you guys with on a practical note. If you have a middle schooler, if you have a high schooler, if you have younger kiddos, it's the conversation of, I'm not going to ever make you go to church, but let's talk about why you don't want to go if you want to go and push back on their ideas. Um, I hate that I have to say this, but I, I feel like I have to say this. Um, you are your kid's parent, your kid and their obsession with Fortnite does not dictate your household. That's not appropriate. So if your kid doesn't want to go to church and the reason that they don't want to go to church is because they'd rather do something entertaining or that they consider entertaining instead, you have to step up as the parent. We have too many 25-year-olds that sit in their parents' basement playing video games with the dream of being a YouTuber and they don't even have a camera. And they're purposeless. And the the, the, the rate of suicide within young men is very, very high. And the rate of depression and purposelessness is even higher. It's a major issue. And that happens, the the balance to that, the counter to that is when we parent our children and we say, this isn't appropriate or you're putting the wrong emphasis in the wrong place. So we have to parent people and navigate them through that conversation, but have that conversation and push back on those things. Set those boundaries, you know. For us, it was always if, you know, I my my oldest daughter does high-level cheer, and if cheer impedes on Sunday, church wins. That's just it. There's no in-between on that, and that's been driven by her at this point in life. She's going to be 16 this summer, and she tells her coaches, I have church on Sunday because she shows up for babies, and that's important to her. But that started with this is the commitment that we're making these are the boundaries that we have as a family and this is what we're going to commit to and do and then with your older kiddos um it's just about you know really the fruit of all that in a way but allowing that space and and this is where i kind of land with the older kiddos give them two like make them commit for two months and there's a really there's a very significant reason why that's true It takes for us as a team, like as individuals, it takes us two months to not become strangers anymore. Like we have to have two months with a kid for them to erode that kind of stranger danger and to get to a place where they're actually going to have a conversation with us, more or less the rest of the people that are in that room that they may not go to school with and they may only see on Sunday and probably most of them, they only see on Sunday. And so it takes at least two months to build that trust. That will allow them to build that community. Um, Super true of teenagers. And so, you know, talk to them. What'd you like? What what did you not like? Uh, Push back on their feedback. Is it more about entertainment and production or is it more about interpersonal relationship and discipleship? Right? Because let's appropriate. If I go to Walmart and I ask a person in a blue vest where an item is, they should be able to answer that question. Why? Because I'm at the Walmart and they work at Walmart. Walmart's for a specific thing and their employees are for a specific thing. We're a church. We're for a specific thing. That's growing children in their spiritual development and their discipleship. <laughs> like That's what we're here for. So, um, you know, push back on those kinds of things. Um, you might be in this position where you want to come along and help. More than happy to have you come along with our middle school, high school teams. I'm super happy to have you. But that two month commitment, um, because here's the bottom line, it takes at least two months. Like if everything goes smooth, it takes two months to build a genuine interpersonal relationship with a student. It takes two weeks to lose it entirely. You go back into being a stranger and that person won't relate to you. You have to start over again with another two month cycle. Um, It's really hard. That's a a very real reality, but, and it makes it kind of difficult because if that bond isn't kept, then it's easily lost. And kids, life's hitting them really hard. Stuff happens fast, especially as teenagers. Um, and so you might get some pushback on that. But that's why we're here. We're here to come alongside you and help you. We're here to provide the spaces. You know, we, can, we very carefully craft the way that we do what we do um, so that we can kind of get everybody on the same page. Um, and so I'll kind of end with that, and then we'll – we'll talk to you next time, but the way that we structure everything within Family Ministries um, is on a Sunday. It's on Sundays, and we do that because midweek stuff impedes, especially as kids get older, it impedes with their homework and their their, um, schedules. And so we do everything on Sundays for a reason, and that means middle school and down is done on Sunday mornings. Um, And so we have teams of people in every environment. That's nursery, preschool, elementary, preteen, middle school on Sunday mornings. Um, We also do that because Uh, middle schoolers can't drive. And so we do something a little bit later in the day. um, There's usually less of them that are able to build those bonds and connectivity um, because parents have to drive them. And then we're complicating more than just a couple people's schedules. We're complicating, you know, you, your wife, or you, your husband, and that child's schedule. And so we do all of that on Sunday mornings. And then on Sunday evenings, we have semester systems. And so our semester systems run essentially um, January through the end of April, June and July, and then September through uh, November, right till Thanksgiving, the the weekend before Thanksgiving. Those are our high school service schedules. And so our high school services are on Sunday evenings from six to eight. Middle schoolers are invited to that, they're welcome there. That service isn't directly for them though, it's for our high schoolers. Um, But we know that sometimes those middle schoolers want an extra little bit and so we input that and we allow them to be there love to have them there but that service is specifically built for our high school students Um, and they're able to come and you know play for a while up till we go into worship and then we go into worship and then Someone preaches for, you know, 20, 20 to 25 minute period of time. And then we do small groups and we break out from there and pick up for that is at eight o'clock. Um, we're going to be introducing as well. More than likely, I've got to kind of get some consensus on this. But over the summer, I can get some more time with the kiddos. And so I usually like to go through a Bible study with them. And that's what that is. It's a Bible study. It's an, but it's very important because it gives more frequency to the people at church. And so that's really the underpinning of what it does is it really serves. Like if you want your teenager to genuinely grow in community at church, them being a part of that Bible study and a part of the youth group is insanely important, especially over the summer period. So lock that in if you're able to. If you're not, and it's complicated, shoot me an email, royce.walker at churchoftheharvest.org. I'll be more than happy to help you guys and appreciate your time. Guys, thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.